Welcome to the Officer Autumn Show podcast, the realest and most upfront podcast designed specifically for female first responders. I'm your host, Autumn Clifford, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. To the woman who's done dealing with everybody else's bullshit, who's sick and tired of getting kicked while she's down, who's tired of being bullied, harassed, who's tired of being made to feel like she's incapable, who's lost all of her confidence, listen up. If that's you, or if you've been in that situation, or maybe you just don't want to go through that situation, I have created a masterclass that I'm teaching to the women on the front lines, May 18th, in in a digital online masterclass. I'm really excited to be able to offer this to you because it's what I needed when I was being bullied, when I was going through a lot of rough shit. And I want to teach you how to overcome that adversity, how to develop a fighter's mindset, how to develop strong confidence, and how to never let your haters kick you while you're down ever again. If you're interested in this, join us. Uh, Seats are limited, so as soon as they, as soon as we get filled up, the class is going to close. But hit the link right in the show notes, secure your seat. There's tons of bonuses when you sign up. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you and teaching you how to develop the can't be touched mindset. William, I'm really excited to have you here on the podcast. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yes, ma'am. So I thanks. by the way, first of all, thanks for having me on here. Um, I a little you want to know a little bit about me? Well, yeah, just I a little bit. Tell you a little bit about me. Okay. So maybe your listeners are already turning off. Uh, so I grew up in a little town uh, outside of Meridian, Mississippi. Not a whole lot going on from there. I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts, and I don't think you've told them what I what I used to do for a living. So I'm I'll get anything. to that. And I awesome. I'll I'll get to that in just a second. I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. Um, I was very poor. I didn't have the best mindset growing up. I had a little bit of a defeatist mindset. Uh, so what I decided to do is, is join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. And that was long before there were any movies or books or wars really going on outside of, you know, Vietnam. I think mm-hmm. the only other war that happened around that time was the, the first Gulf War. And that was, you know, won completely by airplanes. So I, I kind of thought about, you know, maybe flying airplanes when I grew up. But I knew I wanted to be part of some sort of uh, military, elite, special forces organization, even though I don't I didn't have a clue what that was uh, back in the day, because, you know, I had four channels growing up. I didn't have cable, you know, I had like gears and it was two knobs. And you're probably not even old enough to know what that even looks like. I, there was certainly I no actually. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there was certainly no Internet or cell phones back then. Right. And uh, I, t- I totally sound like I'm old. You're a I'm little not. bit. You're showing your age. Um, I, I sound, I'm sounding my age. Uh, but uh, so, but I always knew I wanted to be part of some sort of elite military organization, something that was more into like guerrilla warfare, not like civil war, get online and shoot back and forth at one another. I thought that was the dumbest thing ever as a kid. And I think it's even dumber now as a, as an adult. Um and so I joined the, the SEAL. I joined the, the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. I eventually made my way into the SEAL teams. Uh, I spent 26 years in the Navy. 
uh, serving this nation 23 of those 26 years as a Navy SEAL. Uh, when I retired, here's uh, sort of the long, the long and short of it is uh, I retired. I had a bunch of baggage. I had a bunch of um, noise in my head that I couldn't control. Some of it was from, you know, occupational hazards. Others was from some not so awesome relationships that I've been a part of. And uh, so what I would pretty much do is just drink myself to sleep at night. And if you phrase that a little bit, just to kind of dull out the noise. And if you phrase it a little bit differently, maybe I drank until I passed out every night. I'm not really sure what the right, how to phrase it properly, but that was pretty much my story. And uh, the other thing that happened is, you know, when I got out of the SEAL teams, being in the SEAL teams is fucking awesome. You know, you have a mission, you have a purpose, you have a team and it's a badass mission. It's a badass purpose and it's a badass team. And uh, when I got out, it was kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the Avengers where Thanos makes half the world's population vanish. It was mm -hmm. kind of like that. I had like a mission purpose and team. And then one day and the next day it was all gone. Mm -hmm. It was like, and I was like, what, 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 what do I do? Where am I? What's my mission? What's my purpose? And where's my team? And so I had to go through this evolution of, of being, you know, pretty lost uh, carrying all this baggage around. I call it baggage. And, uh, eventually I started, uh, I found this molecule called CBD. I'd heard about it before. Um, but I wasn't going to try it because, you know, it wasn't number one, it wasn't legal federally. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was based out of marijuana mm -hmm. and, um, and I was still active duty. I still had a top secret clearance. So I eventually, retired from the military. I'm still a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. Just say no. So I was still terrified to try it, uh, yeah. but I knew it couldn't be worse than all the alcohol I was pouring down my throat. Yeah. Um, eventually someone gave me a bottle in 2019. Someone gave me a bottle. I tried it. Maybe I slept a little better that night. Maybe I was a little less pissed off the next day, but what I'd like to tell people is water boils at 212 degrees. Mm -hmm. I was probably living at 210 degrees. So it didn't yeah. take much for me to hit that boiling point. But what yeah. I noticed over time of taking that, you know, that first bottle of CBD is I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. I got out of that red zone and into more of a, like an orange zone so I could have better self-talk. And then from there, I came up with the, sort of this, uh, I was, I, and, and some of the pains in my body after 26 years of, of kicking doors and jumping out of airplanes and blowing stuff up, I got some bumps and bruises. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so, um, so those pains were just not as bad. I had, you know, better mobility. I had, you know, better self-talk. I wasn't drinking myself to sleep at night. Uh, and so I thought maybe, and I, and so I ran out of the CBD, that one product, and I started getting closer to that boiling point. And then I, I, um, I tried a different brand and I came back, you know, I had similar results. Hmm. So now I'm like, I really want to be a part of this industry. So I was at a, at a business conference. I met a girl in the CBD industry and I was like, really what I wanted to do, I'm still looking for my mission, my purpose and my team. And really yeah. what I wanted to do is I wanted her to hire me to be a part of her CBD company. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Hey, you're the CBD girl, right? She's like, yeah. So I'm like, I'm super interested in CBD. She said, do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what those letters mean. I want to do CBD. I don't <laughs> think you understood what I said. <laughs> And yeah. so, and so she said, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she leaned in and she said, you are a Navy SEAL. 
mm-hmm. you can figure it out. So I asked her politely if I could have my man card back. And I put that in my pocket and I never gave it up again. And she gave, <laughs> she gave it back to me. So she was, that was cool. She explained to me like kind of, you know, uh, a little bit about the industry. I, I started researching it. I found it ex- extremely dirty. And so I thought, well, I'll just start a company that has the most high quality products on the, on the market. And, uh, and so that'll be my new business. And uh, as I'm trying to figure out the name of it, my, the name of my company is it's Naked Warrior Recovery. And, um, and that's a little bit of a, you know, the Quick, prior to, yeah, prior, prior to, um, prior to, you know, the today's Navy SEAL, yeah. these guys were underwater demolition team. And prior mm-hmm. to that, these guys in World War II, they would go into combat wearing nothing more than like swim trunks, a, a necklace around their neck so they could take notes, a K-bar knife, a mask and fins. And so they were wow. called the naked warriors. And oh. so that there's a little bit of history for you. It's a, it's a much longer story, but you said cliff notes. So we're going to go, we're going to go. Oh no, I, I just here. thought it was cliff. I'm like, I felt like you just gave us the cliff notes version of your whole life. Obviously you didn't. I have a lot pretty, of questions. Pretty close. Um, yeah. And, but so, so that's sort of a, a hat nod to, a head nod to, you know, my, my lineage as a seal is, you know, that naked warrior recovery, the other side of kind of what the naked warrior is all about in the seal teams. When we go into combat, we put on our body armor, our helmet, our gear, and we, we go in and sometimes it comes in super handy and sometimes we didn't need it. And that was awesome. We come back, we take our armor off, we set it in the corner and, you know, we, we hang it up and we hit the showers and we rest, we recover, we get ready for the next mission. Law enforcement, pretty similar. You guys just wear armor a whole lot longer than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a different mission, but, uh, you know, what we do in, in, in life, in reality is we never take that armor off. We end up, yeah. we feel like we're, we always have to be defending ourselves from whether it's media, social media, uh, a family member, a coworker, whatever it is. And we feel like we're always under attack. And this is some of the baggage that I talk about, you know, yeah. from, you know, you know, occupational stuff or personal relationship stuff. Like this is baggage that we carry around and it just weighs us down and we never take it off. And so that's, you know, I have this mantra I, I, that I say, get naked is, um, you know, that's about taking that armor off, taking that ego off, taking that baggage off that we carry around and, and find a little bit of healing and uh, rest and recovery and vulnerability uh, in, order to, in order to get that, that, uh, that healing that we need. It's amazing. Stop right there. Cause I told you, if you don't drive me, I'm going to. Yep. I, I have a lot thing. of questions. So I'm really, I'm happy that we're pausing, but that's amazing. Like, thank you for all of that. And, and so I want to go way back. So th- my first question that I have is, so why the Navy SEALs like back then? Cause like straight up and I have, and again, I told you, I got, I got a lot of things to ask you. Like me, I'm addicted to like watching Jason on SEAL team. Like he's my husband. I don't know if you watch him like SEAL team. Oh my God. I'm so in love with him. I don't even, I don't even watch TV. So no, I don't. Oh I don't my know. goodness. Anyways. Well, ha- <laughs> William, how am I supposed to ask you if that's what it's like to be a Navy SEAL? <laughs> I, I need to know. <laughs> but so how did you pick? Like when there was nothing, like how did you even know about the Navy SEAL? Like take me back there. I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I had heard of, uh, first of all, I was never going to join the Navy because number one, most of my, the men in my family had joined the Navy and I'm like, I'm not following in anyone's footprints. I, I want to walk my own path. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, they have the ugliest uniforms on the planet. <laughs> the end. Uh, number three, the city, the town I grew up in, there was a Naval air station 
And I would see those kids come out of like boot camp and then go to their little technical school before they went to their actual command. And they act like a bunch of idiots. I was like, I'm never going to be one of those guys. I became one of those guys. <laughs> I totally was one of those idiots. Um, uh, and you know, and so as I was growing up, the, the recruiting commercials for like the Marine Corps, there were like dudes fighting dragons with swords, swords and shields. That sounded pretty cool. I had heard about, you know, kind of Marine Corps scout sniper, uh, maybe Marine Corps recon scout. Sniper. I was like, maybe that's what I'm going to do. You know, uh, I watched, you know, a lot of Kung Fu theater as a kid. So I wanted to be a ninja when I grew up as well. Yeah. I mean, we were just wearing masks, so maybe I'm like halfway to ninja hood. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not great with the martial arts, but I try to be. Um, let's see. Um, I watched a movie called Green Berets that John Wayne starred in back in the day. Uh, he was a Green Beret in Vietnam, at least in the movie he was. Uh, there was a movie called uh, Delta Force. Chuck Norris was like shooting dirt, uh, riding dirt bikes and shooting missiles off the front of the dirt bikes. I haven't got to do that yet. I'm still trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, and then, and then Rambo. So like, there was a lot of stuff like options out there. Yeah. Even though we didn't have internet, we didn't have, you know, books or anything, anyone talking about what a Navy SEAL was. Right. Uh, but I, I was, I went to this Boy Scout jamboree. I was very poor. The Boy Scouts paid for me to go because they, I was so involved in the Boy Scouts. I went to this Boy Scout, this national jamboree and the, the sister troop that we went with, I don't know why it's not a brother troop. It was a sister troop that we went with. Uh, one of the kids in there, he's like, he said, I'm, I knew that I wanted to be something military elite. I don't, I just didn't know what it was. And he said, well, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL and I'm going to be an F-14 Tomcat pilot. And I'm like, what's a Navy SEAL? He's like, it's, they're the best. They're the best, the hot, most highly trained military force in the world, the most elite, the hardest training, blah, 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 jump out of airplanes, shoot guns, blow stuff up, scuba dive, la, 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 whatever. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be the best. I want to be, you know, better than everyone else. And because I grew up with this sort of defeatist, weak mentality, I'm like, this is not who I want to be. I want to change myself and be something better. Nice. So, um, so I came back from that jamboree and then the, the Navy recruiter calls my house because that's what they do. That's how they recruit. And it was, they, they just have a list of people who are going from the 11th grade to 12th grade. And that summer between the 11th and 12th grade of, of high school, the, you know, I went to the jamboree. I'm like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. I came back, the Navy recruiter called me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? If he had called me six months beforehand, I would have told him to suck it. Mm -hmm. But that's, but, but because he, because I had that Navy SEAL thing in my mind, yeah, like I, yeah, okay, I'll join the Navy. That's what I want to do. I want to join the Navy and become a SEAL. Cool. And so it was, it was very interesting, like how many people told me I would never make it. Yeah. And like, uh, so what was your experience? Uh, yeah. Like, will you talk to us a little bit? Like, is Hell Week really like <laughs> that bad? Like, let's talk about it. You know what? I didn't think Hell Week was that bad. No. Probably because, you know, it, it took me it took me three years just to get to, to BUDS, to get to SEAL training after I joined the Navy. Part of that was my fault. Actually, it was 100% of it was my fault um, because I didn't go in physically prepared for the screening test. Because remember that mindset that I had when I was a kid? I was looking for the minimum number. So there are minimum numbers that you have to score in order to be accepted into the program. Mm -hmm. I was shooting for the minimum number of those scores, the swim time, the push-ups, the pull-ups, the sit-ups, and the run. The run is uh, a mile and a half in long pants and boots. I think it's like 12 and a half minutes is like you have to get there and like finish the run in 12 and a half minutes. 
But I remember on the push-ups, I did the swim just fine. You you change clothes, you put on your 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 the your your long pants and boots and a t-shirt, and then you come out and then you do your push-ups and then your your sit-ups and your pull-ups. And I did the push-ups. The minimum number is fifty-two, and that's what I was shooting for. I wasn't shooting for like hundred and fifty-two, like I should have been. Mm-hmm. I was shooting for fifty-two, and. I got like 33 push-ups out. When I think of those numbers now, I'm like, that those are such small numbers. Like I, how did I not pass that? Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like I was weak physically. So clearly I wasn't ready for SEAL training. Right. So I, I finished boot camp after failing the test. Uh, I went to my technical school to learn how to do Navy jobs because the Navy doesn't care about the SEAL teams. They care about those big gray things that float out in the ocean yeah. and the things that you need to do for that. So I became a gunner's mate which has zero to do with actual firearms. Uh, it has to do with hydraulics, electronics, and pneumatics, you know, the mm-hmm. gun systems on a ship or the missile launchers on a ship. Mm-hmm. And it came we, the, to the end of that kind of six-month school. I should have gone and taken the SEAL screening test again. I was in really good shape at that point. I, I'm certain I would have passed it, but I didn't. I saw some numbers, some, some schools on the, on the like board where we could pick orders of what we wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I said, I'll go to that other school for four more months. I'll get in better shape. It's going to be in Virginia beach. It's going to be awesome. And then I'll go to, I'll go to buds. Mm-hmm. Well, what I didn't know is because I took those orders for that, those four more months of, of schooling, I had to go spend 24 months of obligated service on a ship in Yokosuka, Japan. Oh, wow. And because I took that, I, I took that school and I had mm-hmm. that, that, that Navy enlisted code attached to my name. Yeah. The guy that when my time on that ship was up, he wasn't going to let me go become a, go to SEAL training. He's like, you're too critical to the Navy. Oh shit. Not, you will not become a Navy SEAL the end. As long as I'm here, I'm like, Whoa, well, that's not why I joined the Navy. I'll get out. He's like, okay, get it out. And so it took the, so fast forward a little bit. I'm still on the ship. Uh, I'm still inside that 24 month period. And the chief of naval operations came to my ship in Yokosuka, Japan. He didn't go to any other ship. He Hmm. only came to my ship and then he had, you know, CNO's call. So the CNO, the chief of naval operations, he's the most senior guy in the Navy. The only people more senior to him is the secretary of defense and the president of the United States. Wow. He he is the top of the Navy, the end, no one else trumps him. And so he said, like he got on the ship, he talked about his vision of the Navy and the future and whatever. And then he said, does anyone have any questions? And I raised my hand. This guy does. I joined the Navy to be a SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go. My detailer says he won't let me go. I think I deserve a chance. What do you think? Straight up. And he turns That is crazy that you did that. I love the courage. I love the balls. (laughs) I think it was ignorance really more than anything else. I was like ignorance and determination. Good enough. Uh, And he turns to my commanding officer and he says, is he a good guy? My commanding officer says, yes, he was the sailor of the quarter, which is like employee of the month or whatever. And so he turns back to me. He's like, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD planned rotational date. Six weeks later, I'm off to California to SEAL training. Wow. SEAL training is six months long. And it took me a short 13 months to get through that training because again, I wasn't physically prepared for it. And I got injured several times. Uh, The second time I got injured, they talked about kicking me out. Like, Hey, you clearly were not prepared. You got to go. I'm like, no, no, wait, I don't hold on. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better. I was keeping up. I don't know what happened to me, why my legs stopped working. Uh, And medical doesn't know the first guy's like, sorry, beat it. 
The second guy, I'm like crying in his office. I'm like telling the story about the CNO. I'm like, please don't let me go. I may never get to come back. He said, go stand outside. He left for like three and a half hours. Oh my God. Meetings or whatever. He came back. He's like, what are you still doing here? I said, you told me to stand outside. He's like, go check in and you'll be in the next class. Go heal up. And I was like, oh, thank you. And so that was a relief, but I never healed up. Like I went through that entire first phase block of training and all the way through hell week still injured. Like you have minimum times that you have to meet for four mile time runs, swims, the obstacle course, uh, and all the other, you know, uh, attrition building, uh, skills that they have in steel training. And I passed everything. I think I failed one four mile time run, but I passed the second. There were two, I think I had to pass at least one before hell week in order to go to hell week. And I just remember like that day I stayed back from chow. It was going to be a run after, after chow. I stayed back getting the boats ready for another evolution. And I was just, I just remember thinking, I'm going to fucking crush this run. I'm still limping around. Like I was taking, uh, 1600 milligrams of ibuprofen three times a day, maybe four times a day Wow! for the pain, the inflammation, the like legs are just trashed. I mean, you run hundred, at least a hundred miles a week. You wow. run six miles a day just to eat. You run to the chow hall, which is the mile away. And then you run back. There's two miles. So just to eat, you're running six miles a day. Wow. Um, and then all the other running that you do, conditioning run, time runs, running around the obstacle course, other reindeer games that they play with you it's Mm -hmm. easy 100 miles a week um plus all the other stuff so uh, but yeah so as i got into hell week because that was your question Mm -hmm. um i had the expectation that it was going to suck yeah but i wasn't there to quit i was there to experience the beauty of seal training Mm. and so the one thing that i that i learned during during hell week was that, um, I I learned this beautiful lesson that it's better to suffer in the front than suffer in the back. Mm. And what I mean by that is I, it seal training sucks, but I was fortunate enough to get into a boat crew. A boat crew is, is seven guys. You're all about the same height and you carry this stupid rubber boat on your head the whole time. That is like, you're married to the boat. But as you know, in the beginning, like lots of people are quitting. So hell week is like week number five of seal training. You lose about 70% of the people up until hell week. And then once hell week kicks off, you learn, you lose about 70% of the people that are left over. So very high attrition rate. Um, and so the first couple of days you're, you're losing most of the people. So there's lots of changing out of boat crews. And I noticed like very early on, this one boat crew was winning all the races and it is very important to win a race if you Mm -hmm. can. Because yeah. if you win a race, you get to sit down for five fucking seconds nice. and take a break instead yeah. of like just getting punished the whole time. So hell week, it's five and a half days. You don't sleep. Uh, you are cold. You're wet. You're miserable. Sandy the whole time. And they just, you, they have two rotations of instructors. So they're ready to go no, back. There's to back. no breaks ever. Yeah. And uh, you know, like the sun is going down. They'll have you stand on the beach. You're cold and wet and just standing there shaking and they say goodbye to the sun and you watch the sun go away. And then, you know, more like, it's just this, this, you know, screwing with your mind the whole time. Yeah. But I didn't care about that. I was like, I'm here. I'm stoked to be here. I had mm-hmm. a different mindset at that point. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I saw this one boat crew winning and after we had 
you know, lost enough guys. I'm like, I'm going to get into that boat crew. Mm-hmm. And so, because I want to be surrounded by winners, not guys yes. that are whining and complaining and quitting. Right. I had been at Bud's long enough at that point. I'm like, I don't care about you. Go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little hard on people or, and maybe on, yeah, on people that didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Get out. We don't mm-hmm. want you. Um, and so I eventually got into that boat crew on purpose because I was like, what, this boat crew three, one, two, three, four. Like we, we lined up in a height line and I just made sure that in the number of people, I would be in that boat crew. And I found nice. out very quickly that there were, once I got in the boat crew, I'm like, there must be superstars in here. Everybody was average, mediocre, regular folk. And I was yeah. like, how's that possible? But everyone had heart. Everyone had the desire to be in the front. Everyone had the desire to win. It wasn't mm-hmm. like one, like, you know, a, a bunch of like super strong guys in the, in the boat crew. Everybody was just regular. And so um, there were times when we were like running, doing these races, even just like going to chow, everything was a race. Yeah. If we started in the back, we would finish. But by the time we got to the chow hall, we would be in the front. It's always better to be in the front. It's better to keep up than to catch up. Mm. And so if there was ever a gap in a, in any kind of, uh, uh, up from the boat in front of us, we would always pass that boat. And then we'd pass the next boat and we'd pass the next boat. We would always get in the front. And so by suffering in the front, we always got to take a little bit of a break. We always got to be, we were always the winner, almost Mm. every race. And it didn't, the instructors didn't pick up on that until like the night before the hell week secure, like it was Thursday night. And they're like, who, who are you boat crew three? Like you're just gray men that don't even, we don't even know who you are, but you keep winning. So we're going to reward you by letting you like put on like warm jackets and, you know, hats and like, here's some extra food. And yeah. So it was, it was, it was always better to suffer in the front because it sucks no matter what suffer in the front and suffer in the back. So William, how do, how do we apply that to life? Have you learned how to apply that to life? Yeah. So there's when we, when we're going through life, when we're do when we have things that we want to accomplish there's like no matter what occupation it is i know your 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 demographic your listeners are are mostly female police officers there is an expectation of of you on the job and off the job mm-hmm. you can do it mediocre mm-hmm. or you can do it fucking awesome whatever that thing is you can put forth 20% more effort for the same result, but it's actually a better result at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Do it faster, do it more purposefully, do it better than everyone else around you, whatever that thing is, whatever that do it is. I mean, I think about like, I've never been through uh, officer police to the police academy, but if you're going through the police academy, you work a little bit harder than everyone else around you. You know, you can, you know, kind of study to learn the, the laws and learn whatever the things are that you need to learn, or you can buckle down. I'm not gifted in any way, shape or form. I have to work harder. And I recognize that I have to work harder than the people around me. Mm. But because I recognize that I have to work harder, it doesn't hurt my feelings to have to work harder. I just do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just applying more effort than you normally, than you want to mm-hmm. apply more effort. Just keep applying more effort. That will naturally raise raise the bar of how you perform and how your whatever your end result is. It doesn't matter if it's in a relationship, if it's in something on the job, if it's how you raise your kids, if it's like you're at the range and you're you know you're you're, you're recalling. Like, can you get your scores even higher? 
Do you go do you and think- take that extra time to go practice shooting, pay out of your pocket, find some, uh, you know, shooting coaches or, or things like that? Do you think, so I think it's, I love that. And I love the mindset. And I love the approach. Here's where I think people get messed up and I'd like to hear your opinion on it. People get messed up because they do that for extrinsic reasons, right? Extrinsically motivated. And so then they're expecting the handout, right? They're expecting the jacket and the hat that you got when you were in, you know, hell week. And then it doesn't come. And then they're like, fuck it. I'm not, why why did I do all of this? What's your opinion on that? So this is, this is uh, part of, so I have this thing and you'll hear the presentation when we, when we do our, our, our talk in, uh, in Chicago. Um, Yeah. The Roger event. which we're really yeah, excited about. Exactly. It's um, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for that. So I have what's called five seal secrets and you can go to the website, the number five seal S E A L secrets.com five seal secrets.com. And, and down, just put your name and email in there. I'll send it directly to you. Uh, but in there, so what I didn't talk about earlier is naked is actually an acronym. And this is my presentation. And the N stands for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is kill mediocrity. The E is to expose your fears. And the D is do the work. So somewhere in there in the kill mediocrity and do the work, uh, I talk about um, instant gratification. We are a culture of instant gratification. We've forgotten what it's like to do the work. Mm -hmm. We have technology, which is awesome. It makes our life easier. But unfortunately, it has programmed us to just think that you can hit a button on your phone and you can be rewarded. The real life isn't like that. Mm. The real life is do the work for 10 plus years. Like like I said, it took me three years just to get to SEAL training. Mm-hmm. It took me another um, 13 months. Was it 13, 15? I forgot. 13 months to graduate a six-month block of training. Um, I, what? They didn't cut. I didn't, I, and I still wasn't a Navy SEAL. I still had to go to Air, Army Airborne School to learn how to fall down for three weeks. Um, then I had to go to the SEAL team. I had to go through another four-month block of training. Then I was on probation for a year, earning my stripes, still not a Navy SEAL. I'm on the SEAL team. I finished SEAL training. I'm not a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Go, you go, you're on probation for a year or more at the SEAL team until they think that you're ready to go before a board and then you have to go and prove that you know everything that you need to know to be a SEAL and be in the platoon. And wow. if you don't make it through that board, you get one more chance to, to prove that you deserve to be there and pass the board. If not, if you don't pass it, then you're kicked out. Wow. You go to the, the regular Navy. Oh. And so, so that was like, but we're, we don't have that mindset anymore. We don't have that, that desire, like, we're all always stuck on instant gratification. We're always stuck 100%. on it should be easy. Yeah. Like who, who knows how to like take a Randy McNally map and navigate across the United States or how to, you know, find a restaurant in a town that you're not familiar with. Right. Very few people without that, that phone and that mm-hmm. map app that you have. So it's the, it's the change your mindset. Like forget about the instant gratification, expect it to be hard. Just like SEAL training. I knew it was going to be hard. So it was awesome. Let's go. I want it to be harder. And there were, you know, it was funny. I was in four different classes while I was there. Not all classes are created equal. One class, class 206, that was a kick you in the balls class. And then when I rolled into 207, 
like we would screw up and I was like, we're going to get hammered and I'm waiting for it. I actually got weaker in that class than I did mm. in the previous class Damn. because we didn't do as many. They didn't beat us. They didn't do as many pushups. It wasn't as hard. And mm. I loved how hard it was. I loved just watching guys go away. Um, <laughs> maybe have a little bit of a warped sense of humor, but I like, that's what I expected. I expect it to be hard. I expect yeah. life to be hard. I'm on this yeah. journey of entrepreneurship now. It's hard. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. And so I have to like learn new skills and I have to, I do like actually reframe my own mindset as I, as I, as I go down this path. Absolutely. So, which is a good, so, okay. So you really have never watched SEAL team. You've really never watched that. I, I you know what? I have watched uh, like a uh, part of an episode and I think I threw up in my mouth. I'm not sure. So it's fake. So that's not what it's like <laughs> to be a SEAL. No, no, it's, I think there's, there is definitely some accuracy in there, but you're not going out and like, you're not on call like 24 seven kicking doors. And like, there's one organization that does have a little bit of that, but it's not exactly like that. I mean, there's, there are some elements of truth in there. Yes. So like, what, but, what does a seal, like, what is, what's a life of a seal then? So in the regular seal teams, I'll just talk regular seal team. There's some uh, different seal teams. It's um, you're in a platoon or in a, in a, a platoon is 16 to 20 guys, uh, a task unit is two or more platoons. And it, there is a six month workup to prepare you for a, I'm sorry, an 18 month workup to prepare you for a six month deployment. And that workup is six months of going to school, professional development stuff, learning how to be a breacher, a sniper, a, a radio man, a, a JTAC to call bombs in, like to drop bombs on bad guys, a diving supervisor, um, jump, uh, static line, jump master, free fall, jump master, things like that. So you learn these professional development schools that the platoon needs to be able to operate autonomously. Then you have six months of, of unit level training. And in that training, you learn the basics of close quarters combat. And it doesn't matter if I have 10 deployments under my belt and I come back and I'm going through this block of training. I start, we start back at the very absolute basics, two man entry, no bullets, no nothing, center door, no bad guys. And then we elevate the training from there. Then we like, then we'll do four men and multiple bad guys. We're on paint and we eventually go to live rounds. Uh, then we get hallways and multiple threats and, you know, 20 people in a room at a time and shoot, move and communicate. Um, wow. we, then we go on to, uh, more urban training, like, like, uh, city, uh, we call it, um, urban warfare training mm -hmm. where you have your, you're still doing that close quarters combat, but then you do it outside. And it's a very different, uh, scenario that you go from outside to inside and those transitions between outside and inside, mm -hmm. uh, which is where people like the danger happens. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll go on to land warfare training where you learn how to do, you know, special reconnaissance, sneaking around in the woods, making hides. You learn how to be in a gunfight out in the woods, out in the open field in different scenarios. And those are great, uh, leadership building skills, uh, mm -hmm. that we do. We go do, um, uh, mobility training where we drive armored vehicles through, you know, high, the high desert of, of wherever we do some high speed driving. We do, uh, a few weeks of, of combat diving which is where we have a, a rebreather. There's no bubbles and we sneak into enemy, enemy harbors and climb ships. We do uh, close quarters combat on ships because we are for, you know, to take down, you know, vessels out in the, right. out in the ocean. Um, what else do we do? So you guys just train all, all the that. time. Yeah. We train super hard. And then the, the last six months, 
We do more mission specific, like depending on what area that we're going to deploy to, we'll do more specific training to that. And then we'll deploy for six months, Iraq, Afghanistan, Africa, South America, wherever, Philippines, who knows. And, and like, what's it, and then what do you do, do on do deployment? Depends. Depends on the deployment. It depends on um, the environment. So even, so pre 9-11, there was very little action out there. So what we would do is we would deploy to some, some teams would just ride on a ship for six months. And in the event that there was some sort of shipboarding that needed to happen, they would go and board those ships. That's a miserable life, but they got really strong because all they would do is eat, sleep and lift. Um, and sometimes they would shoot off the back of the ship, uh, cool. shoot guns and stuff. Um, they, uh, other, you know, I did some deployments where we deployed to Europe and we, tr we traveled around Europe. It was totally European vacation, travel yeah. around Europe and getting paid for it and training cool. other European uh, special forces on some of our tactics, techniques and procedures. They would train us on some of the stuff that they were doing. And so that was all pretty cool. Then 9-11 happened and then we just started deploying to, to combat first to Afghanistan and then later to Iraq. And um, on deployment, it depends. Some deployments I've been on have been super kinetic where we're just like tracking down bad guys. Another deployment I was on in 2005 we got pulled off of the like go kicking doors. Like we were like three tiers below Zarqawi. Like we were very close to, to getting like the guy in charge of ISIS at the time mm -hmm. uh, in order to protect the interim government of Iraq. Mm -hmm. That's what? That's not right. what we do. We want to do this and we're really good at it. This is a no fail mission from the president of the United States. You're going to go do this. So we, so we did that. While there's other combat happening, do not let those people die. That's your job. Oh, um, okay, check. So we're doing that. Uh, other deployments, you know, maybe the, the 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 team that was there right before us, they had a super kinetic deployment, and then the the battlefield changed, and now we wanted to do more, um, like help build up the the military or police force of the nation that we're in, Iraq, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, uh, so that they can defend themselves and we can pull out. So, you know, it, it depended on, on the deployment and sort of the cycle that we were in. Sometimes they were super kinetic. Sometimes they were less kinetic. Wow. Very, it's very interesting, right? Because, and you have to understand it. And I think you might now, but there's just this, like, it's so Hollywood now, right? Like yeah. they have the shows and the movies and, you know, all in the social medias and, you know, so it, it it's very cool to hear like real life, what it's like. And so, I so mean, there are times where it is very Hollywood and you're like, yeah. is this really happening right now? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the rest of that, but that's like maybe 2% of the time, the rest yeah. of it is. That's how it is being sexy. a cop too. Like just being right. real, like, you know, it, it's about 2% of the time, even less than that in like rural areas <laughs> where it's right. like, where it's actually cool. Um, so now let me let's talk about this. So you retire, yep, right from the seals, and and you and you talked a little bit about your experience, and then you start getting into like CBD. So I want to talk about CBD because one, I think it could be very helpful to a lot of law enforcement officers. I'm I'm interested in it in myself, but like two, like there's that stigma, right? Especially as cops, because we're the ones, you know. Well, not so much now, but we were the ones that were taking the fucking marijuana off the streets. And so the last thing we want to be doing is fucking with it. But 
I'm going to be honest and just tell you this, the, and I know, you know, this and I'm preaching to the choir, but the PTSD and the stress is just, it is unbelievable. The anxiety we have cops on a lot of narcotics, like prescribed. And it's like, fuck man. I mean, I have a lot of clients. They can't sleep. They just can't sleep. And so I'm like, shit. So let's talk about like, let's talk about your company and like, can you talk to me a little bit about like that stigma? Cause you mentioned it. So like, yep. let's talk some truths. Like, yeah. So it- I, I for sure have that, had that stigma for a super long time. I still do some government contract work. I still get drug tested. So I, I just have to throw that out there. Um, and, and so the product that I wanted to, to create and deliver is 95% of my products are a broad spectrum. So let's just talk about CBD specifically. So there's three main categories of CBD. You have a full spectrum product, which has all the uh, minor cannabinoids and terpenes from the hemp plant. So hemp is different from marijuana. They're the same fucking plant. At the end of the day, it's just how they're bred and the molecules that they have in them. So if you see the two plants sitting next to one another, you can't tell that this is a marijuana plant and this is a hemp plant. You have to do very specific testing. Uh, But the difference between marijuana and hemp is the amount of THC that's in the plant. And so hemp became legal in the farm bill of 2018. I think it was uh, December 20th of 2018. It was passed and which made hemp legal, no longer scheduled one drug or plant or however you, however you, whatever the, the legal mumbo jumbo yeah. is. Um, so in 2018, CBD became legal because CBD is, is extracted from the hemp plant. It okay. can be extracted from the marijuana plant but it is extracted from the hemp plant. And the difference, uh, what makes it a hemp plant is the amount of THC. It's 0.3% or less THC in the dried weight of the plant. Okay. That is that is the definition of a hemp plant. So the THC is, or I'm sorry, the CBD is, is extracted from the hemp plant. So there's about 120 different minor cannabinoids and terpenes. Terpenes are essential oils. Minor cannabinoids are CBD, CBG, CBN, THC, those are all minor cannabinoids. The body actually creates endogenous cannabinoids. Most people don't know that. You Mm. have in your body what's called an endocannabinoid system that runs off of those endogenous cannabinoids that we all create. So you have two cannabinoids that you create. You create anandamide, which is the feel-good molecule. It's, uh, It's also known as the bliss molecule. It's sort of that runner's high that you get. That's anandamide. It's helping with the upregulation of serotonin and things like that. And then there's another molecule called 2-AG. I forgot. It's a big, long medical word. Uh, But those two molecules feed this endocannabinoid system. And the endocannabinoid system is a giant neuroreceptor system that's connected to every other system in your body. It's connected Mm -hmm. to your central nervous system, your respiratory system, your digestive system, your immune system, your uh, respiratory system, your uh, lymphatics. It's connected to everything. And so, and I'll, I'll come back to this. And so why it appears like people make these medical claims about CBD, you, you can't make any medical claims. Like people will say, CBD cured my cancer, cured my, uh, my um, Lyme disease, it cured my whatever. It, CBD didn't cure anything. CBD, it helps to reduce stress and anxiety. It helps to uh, reduce chronic inflammation. It helps with certain kinds of childhood ep- epilepsy. It helps with pain. Um, and it, and it has some other medicinal effects to the body, but really what it does is it's feeding your endocannabinoid system. What it's doing, it's like supplementing what your body's not creating naturally. So 
because the, the endocannabinoid system is connected to every other system in your body, if one system gets out of whack, it's going to pull everything else out of whack. And so basically what CBD does is it helps bring the body back into homeostasis, back into balance so it can heal itself and do the things that it's supposed to do naturally. And so that's sort of the, the, the bro nerd science of, of CBD, but kind of, but coming back to like three main kinds of CBD, you have a full spectrum product, which has all the, the minor cannabinoids and terpenes from the hemp plant to include that small amount of THC. And so that all kind of works synergistically with the body. There's all sorts of medicines and healing with like essential oils. There's a bunch of essential oils in the, in the, uh, in the, in the hemp plant in those, in those terpenes. Uh, then there's a, a CBD isolate product, which I consider to be the lowest quality because they isolate that molecule CBD and they shit can all the other good stuff that comes with all the other minor cannabis. It, it ends up being just a white powder. And if hmm. you see like hemp oil or CBD oil with 72,000 milligrams of CBD, that's an isolate. And you probably don't want that. That's a very low quality product. Okay. Uh, and then what we sell 90% of 95% of what we sell is, is a broad spectrum. So I would say either use a, a full spectrum or a broad spectrum product, uh, because you're still getting most of those minor cannabinoids and terpenes, but we remove the molecule THC just because of people like law enforcement, uh, veterans, people like me who are child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. I have that stigma of, I'm afraid of marijuana. Mm -hmm. It's not from marijuana. It's from hemp, but I, I still have that stigma in my head. I'm getting over it at this point, but um, and hopefully federal, they will federally decriminalize marijuana because it's completely based in, in racism and all sorts of other nonsense, but, mm -hmm. uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> so but, think, uh, so it'd be helpful yeah, though. Like, so like, let's talk about benefits for the officer that's like thinking about this, you know, like, what do you recommend? Like, what do you have for products and what do you recommend for somebody who's just very stressed out, maybe can't sleep? Like what do you take? How much do you take? Like what, what's it look like? Everyone is different. Um, you know, I have, I have some customers that can take like a 10 milligram gummy and they can, you know, they maybe take two a day, like one at lunch and one at like dinner time or before bed and, and sleep amazing at night. Uh, other people like myself who are less sensitive to CBD, I take a lot more. Like I take you know, some in the morning I have a, like my favorite, my favorite product. And I know when I don't have it, um, is it's a sleep formula. So it has 25 milligrams of CBD, uh, three milligrams of melatonin and three milligrams of CBN. So CBN is the sedative molecule in the hemp plant. And mm -hmm. what I do, because I'm like a, a ADD, uh, FOMO, I got all sorts of whatever nonsense going on. Mm -hmm. Um, is, you know, you ever get tired at night and you're like, oh, I should go to bed and like shut my eyes. And if you push through that tired point, then you're like wide awake and you can't go yes. to sleep. And then I turn to alcohol. And I'm like, oh, this, maybe that'll, you know, wind me back down. It never right. does. I drink more and like, oh, I just one more, just a little, like, and it's, it's, it's a bad situation. So let's just not do that. So the sleep product that I have, I take two a night. I take that and, and some other like fish oil and vitamin D and zinc and these things at night, about an hour before I'm ready to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get to that tired point and I'll still be stupid and try to like, Oh, maybe I'll like work on something or maybe I'll watch this YouTube video or I'll like, and like, but I never, I can never push through that tired point. I mm -hmm. always hit like, I'm like, I finally just give in. You're right. 
you're stupid, go to bed. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that hands down is my favorite. I, I generally pair it with, you know, the, the full spectrum tincture. Um, yep. just because it's, I, I need a little bit more. And like I said, when I don't have it and I don't take it, I know the difference. Like you, it's not, it's not at all psychological. It's like tired, go to bed. Nope. And then I push through it and I'm, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a dumbass. So, um, okay. that's by far my favorite. I've also used it for high stress, high anxiety moments that I have because I still yeah. have triggers that set me off. Of course. You know, there are certain people in my life that, and that product helps me more than just regular CBD. Really? It's like, like I actually wrote an article about it, you know, because the, uh, and, and I, I did some research into it. I, in the article will come out in a few months, uh, in a magazine called best holistic life. Um, cause marketing is kind of a pain in the ass for CBD companies, but, yeah. um, but basically the melatonin helps to the CBD in itself helps to create, uh, helps reduce stress and anxiety. That's part of it. Uh, the melatonin helps to increase GABA in the brain. GABA is a, is a, I forgot some sort of nucleic acid, something, uh, that helps the calming effect of the brain. Hmm. And then the CBN is also brings in the calming, the sedative effect. And so when I'm like, CBD doesn't make me less not pissed off anymore, but it brings the, that pissed offness down so that I can like, actually, I'm still mad. I'm yeah. just. I just have a little more focus on what I'm actually doing. I can actually reply to whatever I need to reply to or do the things that I need to reply or not reply at all. But I make at least have my my anger and my stress and my anxiety under control. Is there a difference between the gummies and then the drops? Yeah. So the gummies, they're only 10 milligrams. Uh they take the reason I wasn't gonna do gummies in the beginning, but I found that there's like 40% of the US population can't swallow a pill. And some people don't want to do the, the, the drops they they don't want to do the oil. And so the gummies are there. Everyone is different. Like I said before, some people can do like the gummies and it, it works really well for them. Other people are, uh, they just need more. The, the pills that I have are the most effective, but they take the longest to kick in. Actually the gummies take the longest to kick in. The pills are the most uh, efficacious because the, the CBD droplets is a nano emulsion technology where you agitate the oil, you put it in a emulsifier in there and it keeps the drops at like a super tiny, uh, super tiny drops to help the, the body, uh, absorb the body because you're talking oil and water here and yeah. it's best to take it like after like a little more of a fatty meal yeah. to help the body uh, absorb the, uh, the, the CBD a little bit better oil and water because you're already digesting fats. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, the, the oil is the fastest getting into the system under your tongue. You know, that's the fastest sort of relief. I have a product here. It's called the, it's a, it's a transdermal pen. It hmm. basically, what you do is you, you put the, it's a four milligram. It's a micro dose. Maybe I shouldn't use that language, but it's micro dosing CBD four milligrams of this, you basically put it into very thin skin points, high vascularity, like your wrist or your, the crook of your arm, yeah. um, or the top of your foot or behind your knee, high vascularity, very thin skin. And it goes directly into your bloodstream. You get about 95% absorption. So that's the quickest that you're going to put CBD into your system is through this, this product, oh, uh, shit. Called the M60. 
Um, the only faster way to get CBD into your body is either through a, a, a contraceptive up your butthole or through a vape. And I don't do either one of those. I mean, I guess you could shove the, the pills up your butt, but I don't, I'm not. That's not, not your thing, that. huh? That's not my, I mean, not, I mean, we could have a conversation, but not today. It's not really my, <laughs> not my, not my bag, but. Um, so w- where do people go, William, to find your stuff? Like to uh, learn the- all about it. Our website is nw for naked warrior dash recovery.com naked uh, nw dash recovery.com or you can type in naked warrior recovery.com all one word and you're on instagram as naked warrior too right i am on instagram i, I have another uh Insta- if, if you want me to follow you i will probably follow you on naked warrior recovery uh, i also have another instagram account i post exactly the same stuff it's william.r.branham um just because i, I just keep my to manage, manage information load. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a lot. You know what I mean? So William, we're going to be, we're going to be, um, speaking together at the Roger up event. What are you, what are you going to be speaking on? Do you know? Getting naked, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I even ask? <laughs> get, get naked. I know in your shirt. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So uh, any of our listeners listening, uh, go check out the rogerupevent.com. It'll be in the show notes. Um, that's where William and I met. We And uh, we're going to be speaking together. It's in Chicago, September 1st, I believe through the third. Um, it's going to be in Chicago and we have Jason Redmond's going to be there. So like that pumps me up because I love Jason uh, and a bunch of other really fucking cool people. So make sure yeah. that there'll be a link in the show notes. Go check it out. Go see what's up. And if you're around, come hang out with us. William, thank you so hey, much wait, for your coming. Hey, wait, before you go, let me give your, let me give your uh, listeners a discount code. Actually, they can get a 25% off discount code if they can just prove that they're, they can hit me up directly. Okay. Uh, and I'll give them a discount code, but you know, just for the we'll put it in the show non, notes. non, uh, law enforcement people, because you know, that's what I do is I, I try to support veterans and first responders. Um, let's do autumn 25 just for everyone. How's that? Autumn yeah. 25. So autumn 25, let me write it down. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. So it'll be right in the show notes for everybody to get. I don't normally give a 25% discount, but because of your, your audience, I well, we wanna, appreciate you know, that. take care of, of, you know, veterans and first responders. And also something that we didn't mention, sort of the, the mission of, of Naked Warrior Recovery. And I talked about, you know, mission and purpose and, and team and things yeah. like that is our mission is, is 22 to zero. So I don't know what the numbers are in, in law enforcement, but I know the numbers in the, in, in the military is, yep. you know, we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide and, and that, and it's, and that's not okay. We've lost more veterans to, to suicide than we, than we have in 20 years of sustained combat and two theaters yep. of war. So, yep. um, if, if CBD can help you like turn down the noise, like help it help me turn down the noise in my head, maybe it'll help you. And you know, I, that's why I give the discount code to veterans and first responders because it helped me and maybe it'll help you. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Resiliency is huge. And, um, and, and the noise in our head is it's a real thing, whether you're current, you know, whether you're current, whether you've only served for a little while, whether you put in a whole career, doesn't matter. I mean, the noise is real. So I appreciate that. Um, we'll have everybody check that out, go hit your website up, um, and get 25% off, which I'm probably going to take advantage of, to be honest. Uh, I'm very excited about it. William, thank you so much for being on here. I'm looking forward yes, to meeting you in person in Chicago. 
for sure. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. And we will see you next time. So I found a soap company that's Leo owned and they make women soap and men soap. And here's why this is important. There's a lot of excellent um, homemade and handmade um, and all natural soap, but they, they don't make men and women's soap. And so I found this company, it's called Patriots and Company. Highly suggest you look it up, uh, look it up and check them out. I have a whole box of their soap that they sent me. And I, my favorite one is called American Woman. It's pink, smells amazing. I've been washing with Beautiful Badass. That's really nice too. They have a whiskey girl, one that I really like. Anyways, go check it out. They also have scents for men. Um, but I wanted to just give them a quick shout out on here because I wanted to tell you about that because look, we're ladies. We need to know the companies that are doing things for us.